1: All right, I found something good already, and I think I'm getting a sense of what kind of subreddit
0: this is. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to Icy In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And as you can tell, Madison is not here. I have finally become the supreme. No, she is actually on vacation. Everyone take your PTO before it runs out at the end of the year. So today, we're joined by one of our editors, Allegra Frank. Hi, Allegra. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here, not least because every single time The Cat's Away, The Mouse Gets to Play, AKA Madison's Away, and we're going to talk about
1: Tumblr.
2: (laughs) I honestly feel like any time I come in, it's to stop you from having your Joker moment of like, (laughs) The longer I'm not allowed to talk about Tumblr, (laughs) the more likely I'm going to go rogue and destroy this podcast from within. Exactly.
0: You're really kind of a backstop to keep me from going full Joker on the podcast and, like, fully just ripping our team apart. So thank you for that public service. (laughs) I'm happy to be the glue. So we're talking, of course, about Tumblr, but specifically social justice Tumblr. Because what a wild and weird place that raised me. Sorry, Mom. So I'm going to start off light because shit gets a little dicey on social justice Tumblr. But Allegra, what's the most ridiculous social justice post you saw in your, your days on the platform?
2: Yeah, so we were talking about this and I was trying to rack my brain of all the things I had deleted from it. of my Like from my days of <laughs> sifting through people getting very angry on my dash. Um, so I was also asking some of my friends and they reminded me of one from 2015 it was this post that has become known colloquially as down with cis bus um, because it was this post where someone was telling a story about a time they were like on the sidewalk with their friend, and then a bus mm. came up next to them. I don't know if you remember this, but a bunch of people come out of the bus like it's a clown car, and they're all wearing <laughs> they're all wearing shirts that say "Down with Cis" on them. And then they beat up the the person who wrote this post because I guess the person is cisgender, and these are. People who are not oh okay with that. Oh my
0: god, the roving yeah. band
2: of social justice warriors. What was what was a post that ruined your life on Tumblr?
0: Um, I feel like the one that I remember the most back when Lord put out "Pure Heroine," her best album, and Royals was taking over the chart. There was this take, the hottest take I've ever seen, which is that Lord <laughs> is anti-black. Because of this lyric in Royals where she's talking about, like, wearing gold jewelry and how she doesn't do that. And how, like, Lord is talking shit about hip-hop because mm. they're super flashy and ostentatious. Therefore, Lord is anti-black. And I remember <laughs> thinking, this is just just close enough to something that could be true because I was on Tumblr when I was a child so I was just like maybe and now as an adult I'm like what the fuck was that but it's like the razor's edge of plausibility where I was like maybe and that that razor's edge is important for today's topic because we're not talking about social justice Tumblr just because I'm obsessed and Allegra agreed to come on the show or Madison's gone it's because The lasting impact of the posts that Allegra and I are describing aren't just that they're stuck in our brains for our lives. It's that entire forums like the subreddit Tumblr and Action sprang up around making fun of people or posts that in an, you know, I'm going to say egalitarian desire to promote tolerance went just a bit too far. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the thing is Tumblr in Action and other subreddits like it very quickly transformed from places that poked fun at people saying things like pansexuality is better than bisexuality or that like calling your introverted friends on the phone is basically a hate crime. Tumblr in action started as calling that out and it quickly transformed into this extremely toxic space that declared open season on pretty much anything that vaguely resembled social justice language. And these communities weren't just passively making fun of users. Forums like Tumblr in action or social justice in action or Kotaku in action. They love in in action. <laughs> Engaged in some of the worst targeted harassment I've ever witnessed. Most often trans people are people of color who dare to say, hey, perhaps we deserve rights. Absolutely. And like when we say targeted
2: harassment, we mean the absolute worst level of harassment you can think of. Like when you think of internet harassment, you're thinking of what happens on these in-action forums.
0: On today's show, we're gonna take you through the history of the R-in-action forums and their lasting legacy on the internet. Buckle up, it's a wild ride. And we're back with Allegra and Tumblr. In the beginning, there was social justice Tumblr, which, you know, I refer to, again, as the burning pile of trash that perhaps formed my social consciousness.
2: Yeah, you were big on social justice Tumblr, or at least relative to me. So I'm definitely excited to hear about your coming of age (laughs) on such a uh, volatile place on the internet.
0: I spent a lot of time on Tumblr as a teenager because Tumblr had a reputation for all the things that I loved, which was fandoms, porn, and social justice. You know, that's pretty much all I was interested in as a 14-year-old. Sorry, mom. <laughs> but in our one of our earlier episodes, we interviewed the founder of a really popular social justice blog that I follow called This Is White Privilege. And he basically said that the strength of social justice Tumblr is also its weakness, which is that... The point of that side of Tumblr was to turn what amounts to very dense theory into, like, digestible little posts that you could reblog and say, like, yeah, I relate to that. Which is admirable as an exercise, but in practice meant that it turned concepts like... Privilege and anti-blackness and transphobia and capitalism into these bite-sized nuggets, except the nuggets are made by people who perhaps should have never been in the fucking kitchen, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: It's just like a very reductive place. But I mean, it's still like formative for a lot of people, for good and bad.
0: I mean, like I I can't I learned a lot of things on social justice Tumblr. It's like one of the first places where I really started to understand like my experience as like a black girl in suburban Texas within a broader context. So Tumblr, you know, I learned some good things. Also saw some weird shit there. Cause on one hand, you have like really basic concepts, like Being encouraged to straighten your hair as a black woman is, like, a remnant of white supremacy. And, like, gender and biological sex are not the same thing. And, like, people refusing to pronounce your name correctly is, in fact, racist. And then there was also stuff like introversion is a a form of oppression. Or asking people to shower regularly is fucked up. There was a blog called This Is Clean Privilege. And (laughs) the issues that a lot of people like me, we're children and our brains were mush and we could not distinguish between the first set of things I'm describing and the second set. <laughs> and so you're just like, all of this is true and I am learning so many things on this blue hell site right next to this porn gift set. <laughs> but when you're a kid who's just you know trying to do the right thing, you're you kind of just take whatever you're reading as gospel because you're like, okay, right next to these set of facts that I know are true, these set of conjectures that have the kind of veneer of truth and it wasn't until i went to college and started taking like ethnic studies classes with professors who had like phds in this shit that i i realized how much I, i i learned on tumblr was just not completely wrong but like two to like 50 degrees off base you know Which is a really big margin. So this is the context of social justice, Tumblr, and some of its more ridiculous moments, which eventually became a kind of form of humor unto itself. And this is where Tumblr in action and all its various inaction can enter. (laughs) Do you want to explain Tumblr in action?
2: So Tumblr in action started around 2013, really picking up steam in 2014 as a subreddit that was specifically dedicated to sharing at first Tumblr posts, and then it evolved past there to be things on other platforms like Twitter or Facebook, Mm -hmm. and specifically the kinds of posts that you were seeing a lot, Rachel, (laughs) like the social justice warrior posts, whether or not they were more earnest and accurate, or really outrageous, super reductive. So no matter how many degrees off from actual critical theory you were, you were probably going to be mocked for those beliefs on Tumblr in action. So users on there, Redditors, would call out a lot of those posts that they categorized as kind of over the top or that they found incredulous specifically ones that were sort of asserting more progressive views, even if it was something just like, I think racism is bad. Like they would often find a way to mock that on the forum and they would just use these posts that they pull from Tumblr as a way to portray Tumblr to the rest of the Reddit community and the internet at large as a place where liberal bias and marginalized beliefs and marginalized people could all just come together and turn into this really laughable or histrionic almost feral kind of place so it it came it started with a pretty bad mean intention but i think (laughs) in 2013 as you said like a lot of these things we did still kind of find funny like there was still yeah. humor to be found but the fact that tumblr is that kind of place where you can just say these things has been a big part of why tumblr in action has existed because it's where people who want to make fun of those people go and broadcast their disagreement with these posts or saying like look at these dumb asses and inviting everyone else to mock these
0: users. I feel like we need to hear some of those Tumblr in action posts to really kind of get the gist of what we're talking about. So here's YouTuber Felix Fantastique reading a few on her channel.
1: This person says, how the fuck a white person gonna tell me that others are appropriating my own culture? Sit down, making tacos is not offensive to any Mexican on this planet, enjoy them. Literally WTF are y'all on. Here's another promising one. The title of the post is, all writers have to like their fan bases or they're self-entitled, say people without a sense of irony or self-awareness. And it is a screenshot of a Twitter post and the woman's name is blocked out, but it says smug writer with pronouns in her bio. Anyway, the tweet itself says, there is for sure a weird thing that happens when dudes think they're writing for other dudes, but then it turns out they're actually writing for women. And instead of being like, wow, okay, neat, Love a big passionate audience, they get like, very mad and need to punish. Another good one, a tweet that says, Can you be racist against white cis males and if you can, can they do anything against it? So now that y'all kind of know
0: what a typical Tumblr in action post sounds like, and we've given you some context on the history of this forum, When we come back from the break, we're going to discuss what Tumblr in action looks like today and some of the other forms its influence in its wake.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real life issues like grief, to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat come to life. Follow and listen to Vibecheck wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. And just a heads up, we are going to be talking a bit about Gamergate towards the end of this episode. So if that's something you don't want to hear, feel free to turn it off now. So like before the break, we talked about the kind of roots of places like Tumblr and Action. And basically what started as a way to poke fun at Stuff that we are admitting is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> Basically kind of primed the generation of mostly young, mostly white men to immediately and almost violently, I'm not going to say almost, like violently dismiss anything that had like a whiff of social justice about them. And the mostly white, mostly young is not just something I made up. The Daily Dot wrote a really great piece and cited some statistics about who was mostly looking at Tumblr in action, and it was mostly young white men under the age of 24. Which, you know, in the past few years, we've seen what mostly young, mostly white men under the age of 24 on the internet have wrought. So the way this kind of priming most often manifested was in a deep hatred of trans people and women and people of color. And one of the very standard targets of places like Tumblr in action is the concept of neo-pronouns, which are pronouns outside of she, her, he, him, and they, theirs. And so Tumblr was definitely a place where people would say their pronouns were like bun or something else. And again, Tumblr... Collapses context, so you can't exactly tell who's trolling. And so Tumblr in Action would take the most extremist views and be like, this is indicative of the entire community. And this is what Tumblr in Action did. Basically, like the same context collapse that I experienced as a 14 year old was the same context collapse that Tumblr in Action encourages, but in bad faith.
2: Absolutely. Being a skeptic was almost like a celebrated mode of being, especially during the peak of these
0: forums. You're just asking questions. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just a
2: curious person. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. And you being the one who dares to ask the questions immediately makes you superior to the ones that you are questioning.
0: And there was this way in which any kind of appeal to emotion immediately delegitimize anything you were saying I mean that's where like the 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 tears come from or like the special snowflake where it's like oh you're triggered like your feelings are hurt like you know it's like why are you as someone who doesn't experience this an expert on this just because you aren't emotionally impacted by it and that was kind of what these forums encouraged so I feel like at this point we've mostly talked about the online dynamics of these forums. But this shit has real world effects too. Right. Which
2: is enter Gamergate. So we mentioned before a little in action brother or sister, or neither. Probably kin. brother. A, a, another in action kin. I'm sorry. Thank you for
1: reminding me.
2: <laughs> um, <Did it> correct? <laughs> an inaction kin called Kotaku in action. So this was a sort of sp- an inaction kin that was focused not on Tumblr or other social media platforms, but specifically on games journalism and the gaming industry, which, as we all know, has its own huge fandom and community and discourse. And they, they basically use their forum to assess the work of people whose job it was to review video games or report on industry happenings. Mm. And Kotaku is one of the longest running video game news websites that also has criticism, commentary, videos, reviews, all kinds of content. And as a part of the... RIP Gawker Media umbrella, (laughs) it had a very, I mean, openly liberal slant. And that's what a lot of readers came to Kotaku for, myself included. But because Kotaku's writers and leadership would say, hey, we don't love that, you know, this game treats women as objects or Mm. we don't love that this game all the enemies are black (laughs) all the people you're killing are black like they would have commentary on like hey we need to hold the gaming industry accountable for this kind of content because millions of people are playing these things and are being radicalized to believe it's okay to just Mm. treat women like sex toys and a place like kotaku in action was dedicated to posting sharing those articles and saying look at these stupid sjw's trying to brainwash us gamers into believing <laughs> that the liberal agenda should be infecting gaming are we not safe are we not free <laughs> even in our is passion is not america <laughs> exactly and so gamergate sprang predominantly from that forum because these sort of self-appointed watchdogs of games journalism, they turned their spheres from games journalism as an industry Mm. toward the games journalists and games developers and games sympathizers. They turned their, their ire toward them. They must now find ethics and games journalism and hold there all games <laughs> right and hold all games journalists to account. And if those games journalists had any potential lapse in ethics as they defined it, they need to be taught a lesson. And that lesson was taught through doxing, as in broadcasting someone's personal information online and sending them targeted abuse, whether it's over the phone, via email, via via yeah. DM and taking over their accounts, hacking into all of their accounts, just awful, awful things, basically browbeating people completely
0: off the internet. And like to be clear, when these people were talking about ethics and video games journalists, what they were talking about were any games journalists who on any social media platform or in any way publicly espoused any kind of outspoken feminism or anti-racist, or like pro trans views. And so it wasn't even just what you were writing. It it was what you said anywhere online. So tons
2: of people in the gaming industry were kind of ran off the internet or feared for their lives. It was very traumatizing for those people who were attacked for months and months and months. And Kotaku in Action slowly evolved into a forum that was really proud of its efforts and ability to target and harass people. It basically created an entirely insecure landscape for many people online who used to be able to find some sense of safety while sharing these views of equality.
0: Suffice to say the Gamergate was a trial balloon for a lot that came after, including what is happening right now with that exact same context collapse, wherein anything that has a whiff of, here we go, wokeness or <laughs> critical race theory oh is- Oh, God. Um,
1: <laughs> no, Disgusting. exactly.
0: Disgusting. It's just like, it's, most people could not, if you asked anyone who hated, who was anti-woke or anti-CRT what those terms meant, it would be impossible to describe because it is just a way to signal at a broad group of people in the same way that SJW and Tumblr and Kotaku were a way to signal at a large group of people that were to be met with disdain and or violence. And that has huge, long-ranging impacts because now everything is critical race theory. Like integration is critical race theory. And I don't know, man, I feel like integration should probably not be (laughs) banned in schools.
2: Right. The inaction forums, the inaction kin (laughs) were proof positive
0: that, hey, actually you can all come together online and take people down and it's going beyond these forums. But, you know, despite the kind of grim note of this, there is, I would say, some hope. Or there there's some action. We're not still in 2014. I think that platforms as a whole have started to recognize their responsibility in curbing this, even if they haven't quite figured out What those tools should look like and how to implement them. I don't know. Like, I feel like in 2014, it felt like there was this thought that platforms just didn't feel like they needed to do anything. Yeah, we definitely
2: are seeing platforms try and, if not totally, take responsibility for the harassment that can fester upon them. Like, they're taking steps toward better protecting their users. Like, we're far more aware of, like, there are ways to protect themselves and that there are other people out there who. Do believe in what we're saying, and you know, people on the internet. As we feel more and more empowered to speak our minds against the ills of the inaction kin, maybe one day we'll even have our own subreddit. We'll even have an ICYMI in action. Oh my,
0: absolutely the fuck not, Alegra. This is your last time on the show. <laughs> All right, that is the show. We will be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It's free and Madison will be back and I will not be talking about Tumblr. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, please let Rachel continue talking about Tumblr. And as always, you can drop us a note at ICYMI Who knows? We might have you on the show. icymi is produced by
2: daniel schrader our supervising producer is derek john we're edited by forrest wickman and me allegra frank alicia montgomery is executive producer of slate podcasts and special shout out to amber smith
0: see you online or on our reddit forum But today, we're joined by one of our editors, Allegra Fang, who has been on the podcast before, and we're so excited to have her back. Hi, Allegra. Hi.
2: It kind of sounded like you said Allegra Fang, but I don't want us to retake (laughs) it. (laughs) Sorry, the rest was perfect, though. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained
1: ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding